Hi, and welcome to another episode of No Life Like Show Life. This is an episode I'm especially excited for because it is a topic that I've been interested in for quite a long time. I know I have to remain neutral as a journalist, but with my guest, it kind of is hard for me because I admired what she has done in the past years. And I'm actually also a bit jealous because today we will be talking about staying at a U.S. university, a U.S. college, studying there and riding for their equestrian team. And as far as I know, that's probably a little yeah, normal for anyone who is riding on the AQHA circuit in the States, but it's certainly not normal for anyone from Europe. So I'm very excited to talk about this today and welcoming my guest from Norway, Gina Ulvay. And I hope I pronounced that right. Hi, welcome. Thank you so much. Gina, can you quickly introduce yourself to anyone who might not know you? Yeah, sure. Uh, so my name is uh, Gina Ulvay. I am from Norway, like you said. I'm 25 years old. Yeah, I'm currently living in Germany, in Cologne, where I'm studying full time and I'm also working as a horse trainer. That's actually so fun. As you just said, you're 25 years old and not that you look older. You absolutely do not as many Norwegian people. I, I don't know why, but you have sort of like a fountain of youth, I feel. But I feel like you're way older because you've experienced so many things in the past, at least from my perspective. So can you tell me how you got involved with horses and riding in the first place? Yeah, sure. So I actually only rode for about one year before I got into the Western uh, industry. Uh, so I was riding at like a local pony club or riding school and then uh, very much so I would like to say out of out of sudden like out of nowhere uh, my mom uh, bought uh, kind of an uh, input on an impulse she bought or uh, an American quarter horse that she wanted to have for our family like as a family trail horse that we could all enjoy and of course I was very excited and at that point I was I think 13 years old so I started riding much later than most people, but I really quickly got into an environment that was competitive and I was taking lessons and learning so much. And yeah, it's actually really interesting to think about it because I remember before I started to ride uh, in general and especially before I started riding Western, I felt like, I don't know, I was very reflective as a 13 year old. I was really like, remember thinking that my life is really good. I was playing football, I was good in school and I had great friends, but I felt like I was missing that something that was like identifying me, that thing that I was really good at and that was like such a, an important part of myself. And that's a weird thing to maybe think about as a 13 year old, but I remember feeling that way. So that then when my mom bought this horse and he entered my life uh, and we started taking lessons together, I really feel like uh, that was the piece that I was missing. So yeah, the rest, I guess, is history from there. I think that's very exciting. And I have lived in Norway for a few months. And as yeah. far as I recognize, you don't have like a really big AQHA or APHA industry going on compared to the size of the country, as I feel like is the case with many Scandinavian countries but you have a very small but very competitive group I always feel like if someone in Scandinavia sets their mind on being successful in the western riding industry they will make it because they're yeah. so determined and I feel like I re recognized you at the shows in I don't know maybe 
215 or 216, I don't really recall, but I always knew that you had a sort of connection to Cedric's writing team, if that is correct, and yes. that you were also very competitive in the AQHYA teams for Scandinavia. Is that correct or am I remembering that wrong? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we, I started on the youth group in 2011. That was our first yeah, international horse show. Uh, and then I think in 2012 or 13, Cedric got involved in our group uh, and he became our uh, trainer or the trainer for Team Norway. And as you know, he is totally amazing. And especially when it comes to working with youth and, and the youth teams. And yeah, he was really the one that was putting us uh, up, up and out there. Um, and I spent all the time that I had every holiday or vacations with him uh, so that I can work with him. And uh, he was, uh, he really took me under his wing and allowed me to show some of his horses or show some of his clients horses and I was showing in the novice until I was not novice anymore and then I was showing in the open uh, because I kind of had to and I guess that's kind of like the beginning of my career as, as a horse trainer. And can you na maybe name some highlight achievements that you've had because I know you had many but I cannot really list them all without getting something wrong. Sure. Uh, so if you're thinking about my youth career, my last uh, year uh, in the Youth World Cup was in Texas, I think 2014. And this was really an amazing year because we worked incredibly hard as a team and we all competed at such a high level. And this was really amazing because I really feel like we came in as an underdog. Kind of like you said, the Scandinavian countries, uh, we don't have such a big competitive environment. We don't have so many shows or core horses in general. And I think the World Cup before two years, we were like second to last or something like this. And that year we placed fourth or fifth. Yeah, I won the trail. I had a couple of top three placings. I had many top 10 placings. So not only me, but my whole team in general got medals. And it was really like to jump from the bottom to the top in a team setting was such a, a phenomenal experience. So I would say uh, that is definitely one of the highlights of my career, especially in, on the youth scene. And then the year after, I was uh, lucky enough to compete at the AKH YA uh, Youth World Show in Oklahoma City. And that was also such a, an amazing highlight for me. It was a dream that I was able to do uh, thanks to uh, Michael Colvin. I'm so happy I was able to fulfill that uh, as a youth writer. Oh, that's really cool. I actually didn't know that. Oh, I might have forgotten it. But which events did you compete in at the AQHYA World Show? Um, so I showed in all of the all-around events. I had like a really good pattern horse. So I showed in the showmanship, horsemanship, trail, equitation, and the Western riding. Yeah. And I got called back to the shootout, kind of like a semifinal in the showmanship. This is a very, a moment I will never forget because it was a really good pattern and my Michael was telling me really like, this is it, really like go big and go home. And the last maneuver ended with, or the last part of the pattern ended with a extended trot straight line. And I was extending and my horse uh, started loping off. <laughs> so this is a moment I will definitely never forget, but at least I 
I guess I went for it. Yeah, and the fact that you got to compete in the States is probably something that many people would be jealous of. But it actually gets me to our sort of main topic of this episode, because we already did an article on that on the show life a few years ago. But you did something that not many people in the in Europe have done, or actually, I can hardly think of anyone who did it. But as soon as I say things like that on the podcast, someone will send sure, over a message. Like yeah. So you went to the States to study and to ride for a college equestrian team. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. And how did that happen? Because that's not something you just go and do. Yeah, exactly. So I was actually in the same boat as you are and, and many, many other Europeans that um, they are, maybe they are aware that something is happening over there in that scene. And I remember like uh, the Youth World Cup, um, my, my last World Cup in Texas was at Texas A&M. So I kind of was introduced to the idea that something like this exists, but I didn't really know but so my last year as a youth as I told you I was uh, working with Michael and I did the youth world show with him and I remember just having small talk and uh, thinking like uh, or he was asking me yeah so now you're uh, finished with your high school like what are you going to do what's next and <laughs> I was really like this is very untypically because I'm a very determined person and I always have a plan what what to do next And I just told him that I don't really know. I know probably at that point I wanted to, to move uh, to Cedric for a while and work with him. But that was not really determined for how long. And I had no idea what my next move would be. And he just told me like, well, have you looked into the U.S. equestrian programs that they have here? And he said that he has a really close friend named Carla Wenberg, and she's a university coach in the neighboring state. He was in Georgia at the time, and uh, that's close to uh, North Carolina, which is where Carla worked and the university she worked at was. And yeah, the next day she was at the, her, his property uh, in Georgia and she came for a visit and she gave me and his other clients a riding lesson and she introduced me to her team and her program and I, in that moment, I just, I felt so lucky to be able to meet someone like her. I knew who she was. She's a very famous judge and um, uh, writer as well. And I just knew that, okay, this is, I have to make this happen somehow. And uh, yeah, that's how I got involved. I feel very, very lucky for, for Michael for introducing me to her. And you just say it, like, you just tell that, but Having a reference from someone like Michael Colvin is a really big thing because Michael is a multiple world champion, has coached multiple world champions. So that's actually a really big honor and a great achievement to, yeah, sort of have called his attention and got this recommendation. And I think anyone who is a little more involved with AQHA and the organization itself might have come across the name Carla Wenberg because she is no stranger to the industry. So That's quite a network you have there. Yeah, and it's really kind of just shows that, yeah, because I'm, I was always like from when I was younger, you know, I didn't grow up in a family with generation of, uh, of uh, 
uh, writers, exhibitors, or, or trainers. I didn't come from like big money, but if you work really, really hard, it's so amazing to see like how uh, kind of uh, the door opens with so many opportunities. And there are so many dedicated people in this horse industry that are willing to help you if you work hard enough and you show uh, gratitude. Uh, I mean, uh, Cedric, as you know, is so amazing. And he was the one that introduced me to Michael. And Michael was so gracious enough to introduce me to Carla. And Carla, of course, she, you know, shaped me for the last four years or my four years during the States. And she also introduced me to many spectacular trainers in which all over the stage in which I did internships with. So it's really amazing how willing people are able to help you just from the kindness of, of their hearts. And they don't expect that much in return other than, of course, that you you work uh, as hard as you can. That's amazing. And I think before we get into a little more detail, we should probably explain what the equestrian teams are like because maybe not everyone will know what we just talked about so usually when you study in the u.s you have those universities that have big sports teams especially american football or basketball the more popular sports over there but many universities and colleges also have riding teams equestrian teams and they go to I think they're called meets the competitions, correct me if I'm wrong. So they, they go to those competitions and compete against other college equestrian teams in various events, ranging from dressage, jumping and the Western events. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, so in the Western, we compete in horsemanship and reining. Okay, yeah, that's very cool. I think maybe some people have seen pictures on social media of people dressed in those very neat shirts. Those colored shirts are so pretty. And yeah, riding those horsemanship or reining classes. And you have to probably explain what kind of horses you ride because in, in the college equestrian teams, people are not showing their own horses, but the university's horses, right? Yeah, exactly. So this is really, you know, coming from the, the youth program where I was like, my main goal was prepping towards the Youth World Cup, which also you don't ride your own horses. This was really attractive to me uh, because, of course, I couldn't bring my horse around everywhere. And you don't ride your own horse. You ride the horses that are are by the university that is hosting the horse show so of course if you if you uh, host a horse show yourself then you ride your own horses but uh, typically you ride somewhere else and then what's different from the the world cups or anything else is that we don't get to warm up the horses at all uh, i know uh, ncea they i think have five minutes to warm up uh, in the ihsa we don't have any time to warm up at all so you draw a horse and you get to talk to the trainer or the owner a little bit about it and then you yeah you get on the horse they adjust your stirrup and they lead you into the pen and then you have to figure it out from there and I was showing in the horsemanship and in the reining so you can imagine the the thrill when you're riding down the center line to a stop a running pattern and you don't really have the feeling of what's going to happen when you say whoa uh, so yeah that's really the yeah excitement of showing in in the college uh, league very exciting a little bit risky and 
maybe more challenging than what we're used to at our horse shows here yeah. in Europe, but so fun. And I think it actually shows if someone is a really strong rider, someone who has great feeling and timing to adjust to an unknown horse. As far as I know, those horses are donated by people from the industry. So maybe sometimes even like the former quarter horse show horses or anything yeah. like so do the horses you know resemble what we ride at the horse shows or how are they trained how much are they educated yeah so most of the horses that are donated to the universities are coming from a show background uh, and I think that this is actually a great opportunity for horse owners that maybe they have a horse that is uh, yeah used to be a show horse but either physically or mentally may not be able to carry the intense pressure of this type of competing uh, so then they are donated to a university and we take really really good care of them and they're the horse's uh, physical care and well-being is really our number one priority and then of course we practice and train on them but when you when the horse is uh, being ridden by different riders all the time you have to uh, train them in a little bit of a different way because it wouldn't be fair to put as much pressure on them uh, as you maybe would for uh, when you have your own horse and you're training it uh, day in and day out so you ride them a little bit uh, differently but they are yeah pretty much similar to the normal AKHA horse. They're coming from the industry most of the time. Sometimes we have horses that are younger and uh, maybe they've been to a couple of shows, but then they come for some reason to, to us. And um, either way, it's really, really a great experience. And I think what was really nice that our uh, coach, Carla, tried to do is to develop a, a very eclectic uh, group of horses that we could ride so that we didn't only have like the very, very broke horses. We didn't only have the great movers. We had a little bit of everything because uh, that's what you're going to get at the horse shows. Sometimes you're going to get the really, really high quality horses and you have to be able to ride those. Then you're going to get the really, really, really hot horses and you have to be able to manage and show off those as well. So I think uh, it was really, really rewarding for me to be able to ride so many different horses, different looks, different sizes, different experiences, uh, how they responded to me in different ways. And it really teaches you so much on how to ride they say you have to ride by the seat of your pants or your pants of your seat I don't remember exactly how the, the saying goes but you really just have to ride exactly what you feel in this moment and that's just really really such a privilege to be able to do that uh, on a daily basis so I'm very very thankful for that and I think daily basis is a very important term because I'm interested in what your training schedule looked like and your overall university schedule? Yeah, in the States, uh, you can kind of choose your own classes. So like when I came to the university here, and I think it's the same in Norway, you choose a study program and they set the classes for you. But in the States, you have majors and minors. And this is a little bit of a, of a different system, which, uh, yeah, I actually really enjoyed. 
that allows you to set up your own schedule. So typically I had uh, classes from the morning until around one or two o'clock. So from eight to one or two, and then I would have lunch and go directly to the barn uh, and I would stay there until dinner. And then I would have dinner and then I would study until like nine or 10 o'clock and I would go to the gym for an hour. And that would be really like, um, yeah, people made a little bit of fun of me because I'm such a routine person. I did the same thing every single day, but I really thrive under these conditions. Um, so yeah, that's basically how my everyday looked like. Of course, I think uh, in the beginning, like your freshman year, maybe they don't want you to spend as much time at the barn uh, because it's, of course, ac academics comes first and it's important that you settle down on campus and that you settle down with your academic schedule and everything. But uh, once you get a little bit the hang of the system and you prove that you have good grades and everything, they really uh, allow you and even encourage you to spend as much time out at the barn and get all those uh, rides in, especially when the uh, regular season is over and you're heading towards uh, yeah, semifinals and nationals. That's really when uh, you really have to ride a lot just so that it's in it's in your muscle memory at that point. And I can imagine that once you're at those competitions, you have very high level of team spirit since you're competing as a team, maybe a little more than what we used to from our normal horse shows. Yeah, um, so that's, yeah, I'm very much like a team player and I used to play team sports growing up and that's, I would say the one thing that I was missing when you ride is that you're a little bit on the outside, you might like initially like feel like you're in this alone, but that's why maybe I got attracted to, yeah, the youth world cup and the team sports uh, or the, the team, uh, aspects uh, and also why I got attracted to the university team feeling as well, uh, because it's such an amazing feeling to be able to work towards something that is greater than just your own experience. It's a, yeah, it's a total experience thing. And um, that's really definitely something you feel uh, when you're working in a college scene, because it's like you have the university name on your back. You're really, you can feel that you're representing something better than yourself. And when you're showing, so there's team classes and individual classes. And when you're showing in the team classes, it's really, really, It's such an interesting concept because I was in the higher division, the open division. My points count as much as the person in the lowest division, which was a beginner walk and jog. And I really take responsibility in doing everything that I can do, not only to make sure that I compete to the best of my abilities, but also my teammate from the other divisions. So it's really the feeling when you have a walk and jog rider and you see them out on the rail and uh, yeah, doing their way rail work and you're really just like so nervous at this point and you're telling them like put your heels down like be confident relax your seat whatever like just cheering them on and this is really like such an amazing yeah team experience like you said it's really cool I wish we had a little more of that in Europe at the horse shows I love those team competitions I think they're so fun and What are some of the major things you have learned from your stay in the States? Because I imagine that those four years shaped you as a person. Absolutely. It shaped me in so many different ways. And I have to really, um, really, really thank Carla uh, for that because she 
was not only the one that made me go there, but she's really the one that shaped me over those four years. Uh, she's such an amazing role model and mentor to have. What we did as far as the competition aspect was so amazing, but what they also did for us was to educate us for the, the future. So what happens after we are done at college? She really taught me the right values in terms of animal welfare. She is a um, AKHA show steward and I was able to go with her to some shows and see how it was to be in this position. And it was really impressive. And this is definitely a position that I can see myself in and maybe in the future. Animal welfare was a huge aspect. Team aspect, we talked about earlier, being able to work towards something in a, in a common way. And this is really such a, a good reflection of life in general. You know, like you said, riding is an individual sport on the outside, but maybe once you look deeper into it, it's actually a team sport because it's you and it's your trainer. It is the breeder of the horse. It's the vet. It's the farrier. It's your, your horse show buddies. You all can uh, create a team in a, maybe a little bit more, not as uh, organized as in a university setting, but at our university, we, uh, we always said that it takes a team to be successful. And uh, we really, um, yeah, Carla really taught us to, to uh, recognize that and to appreciate that everybody that was involved, that was helping. And especially when you put on those big horse shows, uh, we hosted semifinals a couple of times. And uh, yeah, to be able to arrange such a, a spectacular show, it needs more people than just the, the team. We need a lot of volunteers. There's parents involved. Yeah, the, the vets, the farriers, everything. Um, so really to recognize that you can't be successful uh, alone, you have to do it together. That's another really important uh, aspect that I learned. Um, and of course, this is a, not, unnecessary to say, but what I learned in the saddle in terms of being a rider, riding all those different courses, uh, getting uh, so many great internships via Carla, this was really what shaped me to be uh, the trainer that I am today. And this is really what gave me the confidence that I could step into that role. And I think we should probably explain what an AQHA steward is because you mentioned it before. So the AQHA stewards are people who mainly make sure that people do not do anything against animal welfare at the horse shows, whether it's in the barn or warm-up area. They just walk around and check to make sure that all the horses are treated in the proper way. I hope, hope I said that correctly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's and also someone um, that I think not only like, uh, I think some people are a little bit maybe scared of the stewards, but they're actually there to help you. And they're there to yes. develop a relationship with everybody that is there. And if anybody has a question, they can ask them uh, whether it's about equipment, about a, a rule in the rule book. Uh, they are there representing H AQHA, mainly to uh, make sure that uh, the uh, welfare or the, of the horses are taken care of, uh, but also to be an AQHA representative in general and to help out in any way that they can. Yes. Do you have any pieces of advice for anyone who would listen to this podcast and think, oh, I have dreamed of doing something similar. Maybe Gina has some advice for me. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So this is really something that I'm so uh, 
uh, shocked. Uh, I really felt like maybe I was a little bit like out of it coming from the north and maybe I didn't know everything that was happening uh, and I'm glad I got introduced to it but I like we talked about earlier I can see that there are actually yeah this is a, a new uh, or a novel concept to uh, many people here in Europe and I think it would be such a great opportunity for uh, any person that would find themselves in my situation where they are you know uh, stepping out of their youth career they are finishing with their high school and they would like to stay involved but they also feel like they would they should start studying so this is a great opportunity to combine uh, academics with athletics and um, there are so many amazing um, universities out there. Uh, there are two uh, major writing university associations uh, or collegiate associations. And I just would encourage anybody that's willing to, to take that step. First of all, if I could help in any way, they can contact me. Uh, I would just be happy to see anybody be able to experience uh, what, what I experienced. But also the first step um, would be also to, to contact a coach. Uh, and the coach will um, tell you the steps, what they need from you, and they will also immediately uh, get you involved with an uh, inter international academic advisor because you have to get accepted from the university uh, academically before you can be considered for scholarships and so on um, for the, in the writing aspect. So uh, I think all the resources are out there and you just have to be willing to take the first step and they don't expect you to know everything. They will uh, tell you all about it. Um, I actually now just had a, a client from Norway. She was very interested in this and she, she called the university, the same university that I went to, SAU. And uh, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, she got accepted. And this is such an amazing experience for me to see that she gets the same opportunity that, that I did. And it's really, yeah, not as scary and com uh, complicated as you think. You just have to get uh, there to take the first step and make the contact to the university and introduce yourself and uh, show them how excited you are. And maybe they will ask for some, some videos of, of you writing uh, or maybe refer to some of your results. Or if you have any trainers that you work with, you can maybe mention that. Uh, but um, yes, initiating the contact would be the first step and then just take it from there. Because yeah, of course, maybe everybody has their, every university has their own way of, uh, um, yeah, of scouting and filtering the applications. And this was just my, my experience. It's very interesting and I think a very important piece of advice because I think there's so much information out there and sometimes if you're unsure you just have to ask and sometimes maybe it takes some time until you get to the right person you have to ask but as soon as you get there it's probably easier than most people would imagine and I think that's something that you just said and I know for a fact that Norway has great universities too. I went to the University of Oslo, but oh, you, great. yeah, but you decided to go to Germany. Why is that? Uh, yeah, so I'm really like, yeah, I know a lot of people that has to at one point choose between horses and uh, academics. And uh, when I went to the States, for me, that was a way of combining it both at the same time. And that's kind of also the reason why I moved to Germany is so that I'm able to keep working as a trainer. I got a job here 
with uh, the Hossa family, uh, which is like about one, one hour away from Cologne. And then I got accepted to the German Sport University. Uh, so uh, I'm really excited to be able to do uh, both the pursuing a further academic career and career in the horse industry at the same time. And of course, this would be possible uh, doing so in, in Norway. But uh, like we kind of touched on earlier, they don't really have the same yeah, uh, industry as we have here, although we are working on it and we're wanting a, uh, the Norwegian Quarter Horse Association to grow. Uh, and I would love to be involved with that. But yeah, there are just so many more people here. There are more horse shows. There are more horses. There are more yeah, possible clients and uh, I love Germany. I always love Germany. So it was really like when I got the job offer and then I saw that there was a great university nearby, uh, it was just uh, yeah, a done deal for me. And that university that you just mentioned, it's the most renowned university for sports in Germany. I think that's important to mention. And it's also the same university that some other people from our industry visited. I'm thinking of Franka Bartke, who has just oh. finished, and um, some other amateur riders who actually did some courses at this university as well. So it seems to be like a very popular university to apply for if you're yeah. somehow involved in the horse industry business. And you just mentioned that you're also working as a horse trainer. I imagine that your days are quite long if you're doing both riding and going to university. Yes, it's really definitely like uh, crazy, crazy times. Um, but I would never want to have it any other way. And I'm really thankful for, for my boss uh, or that the Hasa family in general, because they really know that, uh, yeah, school has to come first. And if there are uh, any like during exams or anything like that, or if for whatever reason, I would tell them that, okay, uh, there's a lot of, of university stuff happening at the moment. They are never like pressuring me into, you know, saying that I have to work. And I'm very thankful for that because it is definitely a lot uh, to take a master's at the same time as you're, you're working. Um, and especially now with the, the show season coming up, uh, but we're really able to do it. We have, I think, a very good uh, program and uh, yeah, it's all about communicating, you know, communicating what you're able to do, communicating uh, your limitations. And I guess in it's my role as a horse trainer uh, limitation at the moment is that I also am a full-time student, but maybe in the future when I'm uh, finished with my degree, it will, uh, you know, all be uh, not a limitation anymore, but an asset that I have the, the knowledge that I am gaining now at the university. Yeah, so maybe we could talk about that a little more detailed because the knowledge you're gaining at the moment might help you as a horse trainer. So can you probably explain what you're doing at the moment and how that maybe has helped you already? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so ever since I was like uh, 13 years old or 14 when I started riding and I really struggled with uh, performance anxiety. So I struggled with that for a couple of years. Uh, I think whether or not uh, it's performance anxiety, I'm sure everybody uh, can relate to a situation where they were at competition and they were for some reason not able to perform to the best of their abilities or, or and the horse's abilities. And um, yeah, maybe because their mind was in the way and this was 
my issue. I totally let my nerves take overhand. And then uh, I started to yeah, dig into why, how can this happen? Uh, and then realized uh, the, the psychological aspect of uh, performance is just as important, if not more important, especially when you get to a higher level. And that's why I decided to become, or I wanted to, to do that in the future. And in the States, I took my bachelor's degree in psychology. And now I am studying uh, sports psychology. And of course, there are many other topics than uh, uh, performance anxiety. That's how I got started. And now I'm just learning so many different things on, uh, yeah, human behavior in relation to sport and performance that I think is really, really important uh, for any person that wants to perform in any type of situation. It doesn't have to be sports specific. It can be in business. It can be in uh, personal life. We all have situations that we want to perform. And these principles uh, that I'm learning at the moment will help you in doing so and especially uh, I think for the horses uh, or, or for us as rider and dealing with the horses because horses are fight or flight animals what that means is that they really uh, thrive under routine and predictability and then when you are getting really nervous at a competition and uh, your motor skills are changing, this creates a sense of uncertainty for the horses. Like, wait, normally when I go into the pen, you are, or normally when you ride me, you are using your legs in this way and you're using your seat in this way. And all of a sudden now you're like very rigid and tense. And then, okay, I guess I have to do the same. And this is really like when the ball starts rolling. And uh, yeah, that kind of just shows that yeah, emotional regulation and arousal regulation is really important for anybody um, that needs to perform, but especially when you're working with animals. And that's really, yeah, uh, one of the many topics that I'm learning uh, in, at school. And you strike me as a very ambitious person. You just mentioned that you want to help the Norwegian Quarter Horse Association to become a bit more popular, to attract more people. And I know for a fact that you're also very active in AQHA. And what kind of motivates and drives you to engage in so many activities, especially with everything that's going on with AQHA? Because AQHA has to offer so many roles, programs, different things that you can get involved in. And I sometimes feel like people our age are not as determined to get involved in it, especially in Europe. It's more like a yeah, people that are 10 years older, a little, yeah, a little bit more even, and the younger generation kind of stays out of it a bit. I hope I'm not offending anyone by saying it, but that's just my impression. So it kind of struck me as a little bit odd that you're so motivated, and I say odd in a very positive way. So what's the thing that drives you to do that? We touched on this earlier, but I'm really a team player. I think that I'm a firm believer that the whole is always going to be larger than the sum of its individual parts. So what I mean by saying that is that we're always stronger together. And uh, when we are doing things on our own, yeah, things can be a little bit more uh, difficult. And especially like if you consider the, the my story that I talked about today, I have really been shaped by these associations, whether it's the Norwegian Core Horse Association 
or the American Quarter Horse Association or the Intercollegiate Horse Show Association, uh, which is the college association. They really shaped me of who I am as a person. And I'm really feeling a sense of gratitude and to be, be able to pay it back in any way, uh, whether that means to pay it back to the horses by becoming a steward, a show steward, and be able to uh, ensure their welfare, or it is to pay it back by being a trainer and helping yeah, youth riders or going back to Norway and developing uh, the program and recruitment, so on and so forth. I really feel like a sense of uh, calling in this way that there are so many people that helped me when they didn't have to, really went above and beyond uh, their role. Uh, so now I feel like now that I'm an adult, <laughs> and I'm a little bit more settled, I want to be able to do the same back. Uh, and I think it's really interesting what you said, that younger people maybe are a little bit hesitant uh, to be involved in AQHA, and that you see that it's really like, <laughs> it's a, real fun, a little bit funny what you said, it's a little bit for those that are maybe a little bit more seasoned, or uh, yeah, a little bit older. And I, I, we actually had a conversation last weekend, uh, there was AQHA European Summit, and we got, yeah, uh, a seminar from uh, some of the leaders in AKHA and we talked about uh, different aspects and I mentioned this topic of um, wanting to be a show steward and if it's a problem that I'm too young and you know you can imagine if you have to uh, go across the shows and uh, maybe one time have a, a conversation with an older maybe an older male uh, trainer that is uh, yeah uh, been in the industry for a long time that this can be uh, an uncomfortable situation uh, but they really encouraged me to re realize that it's not about how old you are it's not about your gender but it's about your experience of course you have to have experience and in some way experience does come with age but yeah I feel like I have uh, done uh, I like you kind of mentioned earlier that I I've done uh, a lot maybe for for my age and um, most importantly above, above your experience is that your sense of calling to protect the animals in this situation and uh, yeah they encourage me to to go for it if if I feel like I have the experience and I have the calling and um yeah, that's really kind of shows that, yeah, I, there are, I guess, maybe not stereotypes, but there is a sense of uh, belief that uh, leadership positions in AKHA maybe are for the, the older ones, but I don't think it's about age. I think it's about experience uh, and it's about calling. And I think it's really important for young uh, riders in the AKHA industry that wants to be involved to recognize that there are many different roots uh, to be involved. I think many people think, oh, I'm very passionate about this. So I guess I have to become a horse trainer. And that is great. The, it's really, really a great uh, job to have. And uh, I really enjoy it. And I know many other people enjoy it. Uh, but there are many ways that you can excel and, and be passionate. Um, you can be, you know, you can become a farrier, you can become a veterinarian, you can become a show steward, you can become a scribe, you can work in horse show management, you can be a judge. You, there are so many different ways that you can get involved. And I think it's important to find uh, a path for yourself and not just follow the, the common path of everybody else. I think that's very nicely put. You greatly elaborated on something that I stuttered in my question, but 
you mentioned so many important aspects and I actually chose this question or to talk about that aspect because I think it's very important. I think without people like you or any other person who chooses to go a little more beyond than just being at the horse show and showing is a great asset to our industry. And those people are the ones that are actually yeah, making changes and bringing us forward. And as you said, it's important to be a small part of one big thing. And the industry is the one big thing. And everyone has to sort of find their role and their position in the industry according to their own qualities and what they're good at to contribute in a certain way. So I think it's very important that you touched upon the topic because I feel like you just mentioned that there are many people out there who are a little hesitant or might not even know about the positions and programs that the associations, not only AQHA, but also APHA, the Appaloosa Horse Club and any other open breed yeah. association offer. So I hope that anyone who might listen to this maybe feels a little more encouraged to think about taking us such a position or taking a certain course or seminar to learn more about those positions those programs so you just said that for your young age you have done quite a lot and I would totally agree on that that's one of the reasons why I chose to ask you for the podcast but the things have not always been super bright and positive because I remember that a few years ago I interviewed you because you were injured. I think that was in the States, right? Absolutely, yeah. And what happened? Yeah, so I was playing football and I uh, yeah, twisted my knee. And um, as what happens to many people when they're playing football, unfortunately. And um, this was in the beginning, this was like in the late summer, early fall. So I think it was right before our first uh, IHSA um, show of the season. And I remember at this point, there was me and another guy uh, on my team. And um, I was, we were both going to show at the reigning this show because uh, every, every uh, year there's only one we call high point rider. Uh, so that's a person that will compete in the reigning and in the, uh, so in the open reigning and in the open horsemanship. And this is yeah, kind of the, my was my goal of the season and I was very very motivated very excited um, and I went to nationals the year before uh, as an individual showing in the in the horsemanship and I was very very proud of myself but of course I wanted more I wanted to perform better I now I felt like I knew what it was all about and I worked really really hard that summer uh, being at home and and then yeah then I had this uh, injury so I tore my ACL, I think it's called Kreuzbahn in German. Yes, uh, it is. And, yeah, and meniscus and the inside is a, a medial a crucial ligament. So I, I tore a lot of different things and they had to uh, yeah, recon, reconstruct my knee and um, I was out. Um, I was not able to, to ride for about five months. Oh my. And how did you overcome that time? Because I imagine that you must have been very sad and probably a little depressed to not go and chase your endeavors. Yeah, um, absolutely. So this was really, uh, yeah, I really consider myself like a very lucky person. And I really have 
I've really been, I've never been the person that's been injured, you know, I've never been the person that was unlucky with something happening in the last minute when it wasn't supposed to and, and now it did and um, it really broke me in this moment. And because I came there to ride, of course, most people they go to to college to, to study and I was very happy I was able to study but if we're being completely honest I came there to ride uh, and now I wasn't able to ride anymore so I was really at one point thinking why am I here uh, why am I so far away from my family uh, when I'm not able to do the thing that I was set out to do and this is really again when my coach Carla really stepped up and she found ways that again I couldn't uh, be a part of the team uh, without uh, contributing with the points on the scoreboard. Uh, so uh, I was put in charge to lead the team workouts because uh, when you're a college rider, you really have to be physically fit. Um, so I was leading the workouts. I was at, at, I was at the barn with my knee brace uh, <laughs> and crutches and I was uh, recording the other ones so that they had some footage for when we did video sessions. I was helping to organize the shows. When I became more mobile, I was able to help taking care of, of the animals without riding and um, yeah, I really felt like I was able to uh, find myself uh, as a leader, which is something totally new to me because, yeah, I'm not, I don't think I'm a born leader in that way. So it was something that I kind of had to rise to the occasion. I'm almost getting emotional about it because this is really like someone that helped me find a, a quality within myself that I didn't think that I had. And now I'm very thankful that I have it. So there's very, there's always something positive uh, that comes out of the the bad situations and I think I was able to see uh, that I can uh, it's not always about me maybe at this point I was a little bit um, focused on myself I wanted to be better than what I was the year before I wanted to be the high point rider obviously that didn't happen and I'm very happy it didn't happen because my uh, the other guy on my team End up ended up winning the high point title at nationals and our team I think if they if either they won or they got second at nationals and it was a really successful year for them and I even felt like I was a part of that even though I couldn't ride and this is really like a humbling experience uh, but um, something that I really yeah wouldn't want to be uh, without it. I can absolutely understand and I feel like leadership is a quality that people often just mention in a sentence, but it's not very easy. And it's something you might be born with a little, but it's very hard to learn. And I feel like we are all maybe at some point in life in a situation where we need to be the leader, whether it's for a team or at work or, I don't know, just for your horse or within your family. I don't know. There's so many possibilities, but it's very hard to learn to be good leader not just a leader but a good one and so I feel like it's very important what you just mentioned and you just touched upon the topic that you could get something positive out of this whole situation and yeah. I wish that people would get, get that perspective a little more because I feel like we all experience those situations whether it's with ourselves or with the horses And usually there is at least one little positive thing you can get from that. Not always, but most of the time. Yeah. So that would probably 
a piece of advice that I would give to younger people in the industry, but this podcast is not about me. So do you have sort of pieces of advice that you would give to younger trainers, riders, or maybe, yeah, someone who wants to pursue a career that's similar to yours? Yeah, uh, I mean, probably all the pieces of advice that I will say now has already been mentioned <laughs> in this podcast from the conversations that we have. But uh, for me, I think it's really important to uh, live with purpose and to have a calling and do something not because it's a coincidence or it's because what everybody else is doing. Uh, so I think uh, to be able to create a career with purpose so uh, it's really important. And that starts by uh, uh, having some real conversations with yourselves uh, and think about what really motivates you from the inside. Uh, so we're not talking about likes on Facebook or followers on Instagram or uh, recognition from other people in the industry. It's really just what makes you happy when you're alone. And just um, like we talk about at school, getting in this flow state. So you do something just because you enjoy it and you kind of lose time of, uh, or the sense of time or, or where you are at the moment, you just really thoroughly enjoy what you're, do what you're doing. So what motivates you from the insides? what are your values in life and, and, and in the industry and your perspectives and to have those conversations with yourself and um, synthesize that into a goal uh, because then the goal is based on what you the person you really are and the, also the person that you really want to become and again not based on what uh, might be the normal path for you to take uh, and then when you're motivated from the inside you're more likely to achieve this goal and then um, you simply allow this goal to drive you in in your every day and this is when you can really create what we talked about uh, a purposeful life and a purposeful career in the horse industry I think one last piece of advice um, I would like to uh, yeah, it's related to this, is of course you have to start. Uh, when you start off, you have to be very motivated. You have to take that first step to set that goal and to have ambition. You have to be very motivated, but you don't have to be motivated every single day to reach that goal. You have to acknowledge the difference between motivation and what we in at university talk about is volition. So it's a discipline, work ethic. So for example, you don't brush your teeth every day because you have a burning passion to have white teeth and, and no cavities. It's because you've developed a habit uh, and a habit that is based from, yeah, work ethic, discipline, from volition. Uh, this is also really important to have uh, because uh, some people, they talk about motivation as the only fuel that you have. And uh, I have friends either from the horse industry or non-horse industry that are talking to me like, oh, Gina, you're studying sports psychology. Um, uh, I, I was really good in the beginning of the year to go to the gym. And now I just can't do it anymore because I'm not motivated. And it's like people sometimes talk about motivation, like it's lack of motivation is like a paralyzing construct and I think it's important for uh, maybe young people especially to recognize that there will be situations where you don't 
feel as motivated and that's okay and that's even a part of it and in the long term that should be motivated motivating in itself that it's not always going to be easy but you have to be prepared that you have to create a sense of, of uh, worth ethic for yourself so that you can carry yourself through those days that, that would be my piece of advice. And I think it's such an important piece of advice. So thank you very much for that. I think it's a good thing to think about before we start into a new show season. I think some people have already been to shows, but you know, it's not in full swing yet. So what are your plans for this season? Where will I meet you to practice my Norwegian? Yeah, I would love to hear your Norwegian. Um, so I'm located, uh, or my um, training barn uh, where I work is in the Eiffel, and I live in Cologne, so it's NRV. And I think mostly we will be at the shows in the NRV this year, uh, this year, and then also some shows in uh, Netherlands uh, and Belgium, maybe Luxembourg. This area, normally we go to Aachen, but yeah as you know there's no Aachen this year and it's a little bit difficult for us to come all the way down to Kreut. Uh, where are you located again can you remind me? I'm in the very southern part of Bavaria so we have like 30 minutes to the Austrian border but I feel like there's a lot of things happening in the area where you are at the moment so might be worth yeah. a trip. Yeah, and I really am so lucky. I don't know if it's always been like that or if it is like that in the whole of Germany, but it's really great to be able to go to very nice competitive shows, but only drive for like two hours maybe, because when we go to Kreuz, it's like, what, seven, eight hours, something like this. So um, yeah, I really am happy, super, super happy with the... Uh, yeah, the Netherlands Quarter Horse Association, the Belgian Quarter Horse Association, and the, what do you call it, DQHA West uh, in this area that are able to, yeah, put on really, really great shows, and it's really fun to be a part of that. Yeah, you absolutely are lucky because that is definitely not the case in all the parts of Germany okay, or okay. Switzerland or Austria, so yeah. You're absolutely right. The area where you are in at right now is a very yeah, competitive area in terms of the quality of the shows and also with the show schedule. They have quite yeah, a lot of shows, different associations. And I think it's sort of like a good triangle area with the Netherlands and Belgium not absolutely. so far away. So that's that's really great. It's cool. Yeah. It's very interesting and it's great to see you back in Germany. I think you have had such an interesting journey and thank you so much for sharing it with us and thank you for joining me in the podcast. Thank you so much for having me and just uh, to finish off, I would also like to thank you for everything that you do for our uh, community here in Europe and um, yeah, not only in the sense that you're very, you you create like a, an informative platform on the how to do series and uh, I send these to my my clients my girls in Norway all the time but also to create like a sense of, of community which again I think is really really important that we have a feeling like yeah we're not uh, in this alone and by listening to these people when we're in the car driving or uh, doing chores at the barn uh, we feel like 
we maybe become a little bit closer to other people and maybe feel a little bit more encouraged to talk to someone at the horse show and yeah, maybe develop some friendships from there. So I really applaud you for what you're doing. And I think it's it's what we need here in the in Europe. Okay, now I'm the one getting emotional. <laughs> thank, thank you so much. Thank you so much. That's very, very nice of you. And I really appreciate it. And really appreciate you taking the time and sharing all of your experience, because I think that's so interesting. I've said it in the beginning, I'm a little bit jealous. And I hope that you can continue to pursue all your dreams and ambitions as you hope for. Thank you so much. And like I said earlier, if there's anybody that has any questions regarding uh, yeah, going to the States, uh, whether it is to do an internship or to go to university, I can help. Um, yeah, if there's any way that I can help, I would be happy to, to do so. Oh, yes, that's a very important point. I will tag you in all of the posts on Facebook, Instagram, If you don't follow us yet, which I don't think is the case if anyone listens to this podcast, but I will tag Dina and you can just send her a message or maybe comment under the post and ask questions. And I will make sure that your questions will get to her. So feel free to comment at any time. <laughs>